Well, good morning, y'all. How y'all doing? That was terrible, right? I felt like it was terrible. Was that, how, good morning, y'all. How y'all doing? Yeah, come on, man. Good to see you. So my name is Matt, and uh, I'm excited to be here and uh, love you all. I know that I am new to you, but you're not new to me. I feel like I've been praying uh, for you all for literally probably 16 years. I've lived here across the river, and I know a ton of your staff members and, um, and a lot of your folks. And so we play sports over here. I have five kids. Yes, I have five kids. Don't judge me. Um, and so we're kind of all over the map. And so I'm excited to spend time with you today, really am. And so let me do this. Can I introduce my family? It's a little weird if you don't know me. So I'm just gonna throw this up. That's my fam right there, all, all five, uh, 20 down to, can anybody spot the surprise? Anybody, anybody, <laughs> anybody? Yeah, I don't know why he's holding up number one, but we're number one apparently. So uh, we're number one at picking out. I tried to pick a picture that was not like a glamour shots. Anybody remember glamour shots? You know what I'm saying. Like that's just like normal us. And uh, I'm excited. Um, I need you to know I'm excited about this sermon because we're just talking about the power, the power of Jesus and the power of the gospel and the power of the kingdom. And I love talking about that. Um, I'm really um, probably one of those people that's the least likely. Maybe there are some of you in the room. I grew up in an inner city project, all right? Like cops in and out of the home and a lot of abuse. And, um, but God radically stepped into my home and into my life. Anybody else have that kind of experience? He just saved me. He just saved me, uh, changed me, made me a different person. And I'm just super thankful for his power in my life. And so as I was like figuring things out, I just gotta be honest, I was, you know, I, I'm, you know, I step into being a dad and no, you know, I, I'm like first generation Christian dad. And so I'll never forget the moment when those, you know, where kids were, were kind of coming in one at a time. Aren't you glad they don't all come at once? Um, and I remember taking my oldest, he might've been, I don't know, I think he was like two and a half. And then I was taking my little guy and we would go on Fridays, we'd go on these walks and we'd go in the park and i try to give my wife a break, but my wife was with us that day and she was up with my oldest and I had my second in my, in my hands, sort of like this, my little, my little nugget, you know, and, and he had the biggest head you've ever seen at, in your life. It was just so big and curly hair. And I could, literally, I can remember it. Parents, some of you know, I remember this and I was just sitting there and, and I was first generation, you know, Christian parent, like I'm the one that led my dad to Christ. And so I'm just like, okay, like, what do I do? Okay, I think I gotta pray like for everything under the sun for them. I'm like leaving no stone unturned. So I'm just like, Lord, and would you protect him? Would you keep him from bad relationships? And would you keep him from having their heart broken? Would you keep? And I'm just like, I'm like, have we got it covered? yet and I'll never forget I was on a certain part of the path I remember exactly where I was I could take you there today when the when God as best as I can stand just stopped me dead in my tracks and said hey Matt you know I can't do that right and I was like did I just have bad tacos last night? Like, am I hearing voices? Like, what's going on? Like, I, God, I'm doing what I, I like, I, want, I don't want my kids to experience the pain that I've had to experience. I'm just gonna pray, and I just need you to magically cover them with pixie dust and keep them perfect their whole lives. And God said, Matt, what do you want? Do you want them to walk with me deeply and to know me and trust me, or do you want them to be free from challenge? Because you can't have both. So why do I say that? Because today I wanna, I, wanna, I wanna walk us through and I don't wanna be heavy, but I do wanna be real. Because here's what I know, from the time I raised those kids, from the time they were younger, what I knew was, what God forecasted was, is there are gonna be moments in their life of pain. 
And then no matter what I teach them, and no matter the principles, and no matter how we figure out life, there's gonna come a moment where pain enters their life and they're gonna ask the question that a lot of us ask when we get to that moment. And that question is, Jesus, do you really care? Like, do you care that I'm hurt? Do you care that that hurt me? Do you care about my pain, about my physical pain? Do you care about my emotional pain and what just happened to me? Do you care about the psychological pain and what I can't, when I can't turn off? And the question that I want to kind of walk us through today is, does Jesus care? Does he care about your pain? Does he care about some of it? Does he care about all of it? And what does he want you to do with it? So we're just going to dive into scripture, uh, Mark chapter 1. We've been going through Quest 52, some of you in small groups. That's week 18. Mark Moore, who did that, is a super good friend of mine. I was, I was just with him in Israel not too long ago, hiking, doing some stuff. But here's what we're going to do, Mark chapter 1, verse 29. We're just going to dig into scripture. And I'm just, we're going to start it. It just says simply this. It says, as soon as they left the synagogue. So I just want to give you a quick setup to kind of get you kind of primed for today. And that is, this is out of the gospel of Mark. Mark is probably likely writing for Peter. And this is Peter's sermon that he would walk around given all the time. And maybe you know this about Peter, but Peter would just, was a man of action. He like wanted to get to the point. And so Mark starts the, the, starts the gospel narrative a year and a half into the relationship with the disciples. Why does that matter? Because in the story that we're about to unpack today, I just need you to know that for a year and a half, Jesus has been just going, like just saying, hey, listen, I just want you to come to me. Like literally, that's what he'd say, come and see, come and look. He would take them on trips. He would spend times and he would show them how, this is how you treat people and this is how I feel about the poor. And this is, and all of a sudden they're just wooed to him. They're like, man, I love this God. There's something about him. That's how most of our journeys start. We see this Jesus and we're like, man, he's so different in the way he sees people and the way he sees me and the purpose that he speaks into. And just, we just start to fall in love with the way of Jesus. And so right now, a year and a half in, you need to know there's not really been that many miracles that Jesus has done. As a matter of fact, the, the, the first miracle most of you would know as turning water into wine. And water into wine is like a year and a half. So Jesus hadn't really even performed a miracle until a year and a half into their relationship. A year and a half of them figuring out what it's like and what's going on. And so in the middle of that, it says, as soon as they left the synagogue. Why does that matter? Because Jesus is about to grab a group of people that have spent a lot of time. And they like his principles and they like who he is and they like. But everybody had been coming to them. And then all of a sudden, he is going to walk. And I wish I could take you to Capernaum. You could go there today. And there's the church, the synagogue foundations. And it's like everybody's coming to hear him speak. But then he leaves the synagogue. And it says he's moved to Capernaum. And he's decided to get close and move into, we're going to find verse 29. It says, and they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. So now he said... So here's what's gonna happen. We've been friends, right? Like we spent a lot of time like, I now want to come to your house. So time out, how do you feel if Jesus is just like right after lunch today, Jesus just says to you, hey, I'm just gonna swing by the house today. How y'all feel about that? You women are like, no, I have children and they're slobs. And we gotta, you know, we gotta clean up, we gotta do this. And then some of you would be like, you're, you're concerned about the outside of the house or how it looks. And some of you are like, no, he can't come to my house because we're crazy. 
Like we're crazy people. Like we've got all these dynamics and we've got this going on. And, we don't. and so Jesus, I love this about him. I love this about him. Jesus had this unique ability of saying, hey, listen, it's not, it's not that I just want you to come to me and hear. I want to come to you. I want to come into your house. I want to find out what's going on in your home. And what's happening? I love this. One of the most unique things about Christianity, I just spent time in Turkey going through the seven churches of Revelation, and something that really dawned on me is that for the first 200 plus years of the church, the church didn't grow because it met in settings like this. Where did they meet? In homes. Why is that powerful? Because in a home you you have to be real. You can't just come and just hear the principles and talk and all this stuff and go back to the fact that you've got wounds and you've got relational strife and you've got kids that are, that are, that are in a bad place and a heart of yours that's in a bad place and where, you've, like, where you're out of money and you're broke and you're beat up. You can't have Jesus in your home and be fake. And so it's funny that the early church did that very thing. They, they exploded at the place where life was the most real and that was in the home. So verse 30 says this, it says Simon, Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. Now, um, anybody wonder why we just know it's the mother-in-law mother and not the name? Doesn't it feel like there should be a name? It, like we love our mother-in-laws, right? I'm helping you, we love our mother-in-laws, right? We love our mother-in-laws. You're not getting points here. Like, you lo we love our mother-in-laws, right? Just fake it. Come on, man. Like, right? No, I do. I love mine. Um, you get that recording. Okay. Um, no, I do. So here's the thing. Um, so Jesus comes by, and he steps in the house, and he runs into the same thing that would happen if he ran into your house. There's something going on in the home that's become the lightning rod in the home. It's like if I came into your home and the lightning rod was the fact that you and your spouse, you're not in a good place. Guess what? It wouldn't take us very long to recognize that the whole family is dancing around something that is right in the middle of the home and it's hurt and it's a wound and it's a pain and it's affecting everybody in the home. That's how it works. If I walked in your home and, you, and there's was, there was joblessness and there's fear and I just got let go of my job and I walked into your home, there's no way that I would be able to avoid the lightning rod that's real in your home. And for them, the lightning rod that was going on in their home that they couldn't hide was that there was this mother-in-law and it was, you know, Peter's out doing all this ministry stuff and his wife was sweet at home and her, and her mom is in a back room and maybe she feels like a minor character in the story and her name doesn't make it in the gospel, but she's not a minor character to who? Not to Peter, not to his wife, not to her, she lives with us. And then at a time when, you know, for us we go, hey, you know, one of my kids gets 104 fever, even when they're little, it makes me nervous, but I know when they get to 104 fever that I pack them up, I take them to the hospital, we figure out what to do and they give them medicine. When you're at that time and you have an elderly aged parent and they get a fever like that, it's scary, man. You're like, are we gonna lose her? And so we can't just have Jesus show up and walk in the house and not be real about what's going on in the house. And so, What's Jesus going to do? Like, is Jesus going to walk in and go, oh, uh, you, you, what's going on? 
Oh, you know, uh, we got a mother-in-law in the back, and she's got a fever. She might die. And Jesus go, okay, cool. So is everybody here? Can we preach now? I mean, she's not really, like, she's not even, doesn't even have a name that could be written in the story. Anybody ever feel like a minor character? I mean, she's not even a part of the story. What's Jesus going to think about her? So I started, I started just writing down, I, I, you know, Matt, what are the pivotal moments in your life, and even though I feel like a minor character, like what are the pivotal moments in my life where I had to ask myself the real question of, Jesus, do you really care? I can tell you my first one, I was in my bed. I told you I grew up in an inner city project, but I remember a certain night, a specific night, and it was like it started getting really loud downstairs, and I could hear people kind of bumping into things. I knew it was getting rough, and I, I could see the lights of the cop cars pulling up, and I remember being up inside of my bed, and I remember in that bed for the first time saying to Jesus, Jesus, I need help. Like, I'm scared. I don't sleep at night. I don't know what to do. I need you. Do you care? Like, do you even see me down here? I, re- I remember that. Isn't that crazy? I remember that. I remember uh, being a 17-year-old in high school, and like most 17-year-old boys, living my whole life for sports and athletics. Anybody have kids like that or anybody like that in the room? And I remember, I remember all of a sudden, um, I, I got a picture of it. I remember, um, sweet dog, right? You're welcome. Everybody needs a dog pic. Um, I remember... Um, meeting with the doctor because I had a guy who was a free safety and it was a dirty play and I'm a running back and I'm running through and he speared me in the knee and it you know, broke all four ligaments and my hamstring retracted and I'm having all these sermons getting together and I'll never forget leaving the appointment where the doctor said to me, we'll get you back together but if I'm being really honest, you'll never play a sport again. And some of you are like, Matt, you weren't going to the NFL anyways, look at you. But tell that to a 17-year-old boy. And I just remember, man, I just remember driving away, just being like, man, Jesus, like, what's the deal, man? Do you even care? Why did you let this happen? I just remember being so mad at him. I remember when my wife and I were young. Anybody, like, really broke when you were first married? Oh, just me. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, we were really broke, all right, like baroque, y'all. And I just remember um, we decided, like some of you, like the first time we were going to tithe. I was already in ministry. We should have done it before. But again, I, re- I grew up in crazy town. I didn't know. Like I just, so then I'm like, oh, we got to give 10% of our money where we don't have 10%. So I remember just looking at my wife and be like, okay, let's just do this. She was like, let's do this. And we dig in. And I'll never forget the bill. It was right after my first uh, was born. And we didn't understand these things called bills. Anybody else like that? We're like, what are these things? You got to do something with them. And it came in and we opened it and the bill was for $2,000. Y'all, it might as well have been $2 million. Either way, we don't have the money. And I just watched as my wife started to cry. And I just remember just thinking, man, God, do you even care? Like right now, this is like every time we go to the gas pump, every time we go to the grocery store, every time we pay a bill, it's painful. It reminds us of what we don't have. We're thinking about it all the time. We're barely sleeping through the stress of this thing. And we're trying to be faithful. Like, do you even care? I remember when our marriage was in a spot and we had been married for a couple years and we just thought that marriages were easy. Anybody remember thinking that? Come to find out they're not. 
And I remember us driving down this road, and, and we were on vacation, and I thought it was going to be great. But as we're driving, we just, I just, it dawned on me for the first time, we may be in a really bad spot. Neither one of us wanted to use the word divorce, but neither one of us could figure out a way through. And I just remember, like, I don't know that I've ever felt a pain like that. And I just remember saying to him when we were driving, like, Jesus, do you care, man? Like, I'm trying to be a good dude, but, man, my marriage is just a wreck, and I don't know what to do, and I don't. I remember when my son, my fifth son, the great surprise was born. I actually got to deliver him. It's a long story, 120 miles on the highway. I don't suggest it. I'm just saying it happened. And so Luke was born into the world. And I remember holding him and, and we did all the stuff and all the goo. And anyway, so I showed him off to everybody. We were like, yeah, you know, we we're so excited. And then they did some tests and they walked out of the room. We we're like, oh, great, we've done that. But then they walked back in and they said, hey, things are going to, things are going to, you know, you're, we got to take him right now. We're like, what's going on? He's like, his numbers are headed in a direction. We're like, wait, what? He's got a what? Infection where? And this is bad. And they put him in a box and they put him in a room. And for two days, we just watched the numbers go 100% the wrong direction. And y'all, I remember sitting in that hospital room saying, God, come on, man. Like, do you care? Are you here? Are you going to do something? I remember when my, literally not too soon after that, I remember my son had a, a, a thing down in Tennessee. He was doing soccer tournament, and they were driving back with my wife and with my daughter. And all of a sudden, I get a phone call that they had been driving 60 miles an hour, and somebody pulled and crossed traffic doing like 40 miles an hour. They hit him head on. The, the van exploded. They had to use the jaws of life to open the door. My son couldn't breathe. They're taking him to the hospital. They're like, you got to get here now. So I'm driving like crazy man down to E-Town. I get in there. As soon as I walk in, he's going into an MRI machine. I see his face. I'm like, you okay? And he's just crying and he can't breathe. They put him in the MR and they're like, MRI, and they're like, you want to be here? I'm like, I'm not, you couldn't move me if you tried. And they put him in the machine and five minutes in, I can start seeing the panic in the room. I'm like, what's going on? The guy comes to me and says, Mr. Reagan, this is going to go fast. We've ordered a helicopter. He's got internal bleeding and we got to get him to Louisville right now if he's going to have a shot. And then I walked out and I put my son in the back of a helicopter with my wife and watched him fly away. And I had to hop in a truck with a little girl that did not want to drive. And was scared out of her mind as I'm driving to this hospital with no clue what's going on and nobody to talk to but him. Jesus, do you care? I need you to care right now. I remember when my oldest son sat me down and he said, uh, I kind of suspected it. He said, hey, Dad, I know this is really going to hurt you, but I just need you to know. It's his senior year. You just, you just need to know, like, I, when, I, when I pray, like, I'm kind of faking it. Like, I, I stopped thinking there was a God up there a while ago. And I know that hurts you, but I'm not sure I have faith anymore. Does God care? Does he care about the stuff that's real? Like, does he care when the kids hurt? Does he care that you head into a job that you can't stand, man? You hate it. It's painful every day for you. Does he care about the prison of your anxiety? Does he care about the fact that when you go home, like home, home is like a hostile, it's a hostile place for you? Does he care about the fact that you love somebody for so long and now it feels like they've been taken from you and you're left with what? Does God 
care. What do you do in those moments when you run into a real pain that's in a real home with real circumstances that hits you in the chest? What do you do in those moments? Verse 30 says, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So I just got to say this. I know that you know this is true, but it's not really a question of whether or not you will experience pain in your life. You're going to experience pain in your life. But what I've recognized is that when people encounter pain, they have two responses when it comes to God. In one of them, they'll experience pain and they'll just back away from him. They'll say, that's what I thought. Like he's not really there and he's never really gonna change anything. And even when I pray, I'm not sure he's listening and it's just a bunch of moral stuff. And, and, and I don't even know that he cares. And people back away from God. Which by the way, for you now to be all on your own with that same pain, like removing God from your equation doesn't solve your problem. But I see so many people that'll just distance themselves from God. But then there's some other people and this is true. They encounter pain, some of them deeper than anything I've experienced before, and it does something magnetically where it pulls them into him, and they encounter him in ways that I can't understand, in ways that anchor them, in ways that forge them, in ways that literally direct the rest of their lives, and a lot of times the lives of their children. What's the difference? I think sometimes the difference is whether or not we can really, once we let him in and once we invite him in, is that time when we just say, God, I need your help. Will you please help me? Just help. I don't want to do this on my own. And I don't understand where we are, but I need your help. Verse 31 says this, it says, so he went to her. Talking about Jesus, he just went to her. I wish you could see the Greek language here. It's like this very like loving, caring. And a lot of times people are like, I just don't understand God. He seems so distant and everything. But that's why, I, just need, I think you know this, that's why he gave us Jesus. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. If you ever have any questions about the character of God and you're reading the Old Testament and you're confused and you're reading the New Testament and you're like, I don't understand. I'm just going to say, fix your eyes on Jesus. He'll tell you how he feels, how he looks, how he responds, how he treats people. And in this moment, I get to see a Jesus who gives me a picture of what he wants to do in our pain. He wants to respond. My Jesus wants to meet us in our pain. So it just says, verse 31, it says, he went to her, he took her by the hand, and he helped her. He helped her up, and immediately the fever left her. And like, like most women, she was like, Okay, I'm good. Do you need anything? Can I get you anything? I'm like, hey, girl, just chill out for a little while. You just, you almost died. She just began to wait on them. I think out of gratitude, right? I just want to say this. Like, I don't know where you are. And I don't know what pain you've encountered, but I'm just telling you this. The craziest thing happens when you decide to not run from Jesus in your pain, but really invite him into your pain. So I just... I've experienced that myself. It's funny, this is the funniest thing. The most foundational places where God has met me has not been on the top of the mountains. It's always been in the valley. We know that's true, right? But for me, I just started thinking about all the, the list of things. On that bed at night, I remember how crazy it was and I remember feeling unsafe. But I, I, I have to be honest and tell you what happened when I prayed that night. When I prayed that night, 
and everything was going crazy underneath and I didn't know what was gonna happen. I'm just telling you, for the first time I articulate, Jesus, I just need you. I don't even know what I need. I just know that I need you. Something happened. I don't have a box for it, but it almost felt like he came and sat by my bed. And when he sat there, when Jesus stepped in the room, I just felt a peace like you wouldn't believe in. I just fell asleep. And almost every time I'd ask him, he'd just come. Didn't change the crazy. Y'all, the crazy was still there. But he met me in it. I can tell you that place of my knee and I was a 17 year old and I was mad and I was like, I'm so mad at you, I'm so and so. Then all of a sudden, because I'm not in a sport, I had an opportunity to go to a retreat that I wouldn't have been able to go to and so I go to the retreat and I'm still mad at him but it was at that retreat that I wouldn't have been to if I had a healthy knee with a big old thing on my knee and I couldn't even play sports at this stupid retreat. I'm just so mad. It was in the woods on that retreat that God called me into ministry for the first time. And now guess what? Knee is still not awesome. I can't do a billion things with my kids. But he met me in one of the worst moments of my life and maybe brought the greatest gift of my, I ever received in my life and that was to just join him in the adventure that he's called me on. This knee, with every ache, reminds me of the calling that he put on my heart. He met me in my pain. I remember Sarah and I, $2,000, remember? $2,000, we're young and stupid. I'm looking at her, she's crying. I'm trying not to cry because I'm the man, we don't cry. And um, I lied. <laughs> so then I see this envelope and in this envelope, I look at it and I pick it up and I'm like, what's this? I was like, well, I don't know this person. Do you, or is this a wedding thing? Sarah's like, I don't know. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, well, here's the thing. And I'm not normally like, I'm like, look, you know, babe, I don't know how we're gonna pay for this. And I'm not, you know, but... Let's just do this. We just need God to give us faith, and we just we just have, we're gonna have to just trust. I, I swear this is true. We're gonna have to trust that God is for us, and then He's a good provider. And I don't know how He's gonna do this, but but I think this is like one of those moments we're supposed to trust. I open the envelope, and it's from a lady I've never met, and she's like, "Hey, I just felt like God was leading me to just bless a young couple in ministry, and so I just decided to write you a little check. I hope it helps." Anyone want to guess how much the check was for? $2,000. And all of a sudden, my wife and I are on our knees in tears. And we didn't become rich in a day. But we recognized that no matter where we were financially, that he was always going to be a good provider. I remember our marriage. And I remember inviting him in and just asking, Jesus, you got to show up in this marriage, man. I feel like we're in train wreck city right now. And guess what? He didn't magically, mystically turn my marriage in a day. What happened, though, was for the first time, we started inviting him together into our marriage. And then inviting him in, and then inviting him in, usually because I'm not bright. I thought it was all her. Isn't that the worst? You're like, oh, you're so, if she would just, and then you're like, oh, it's me, my bad. And then all of a sudden, uh, fast forward, and I've been married to this girl for 25 years. Love her. Oh. I love her more now than I've ever loved her in my life, man. Like, I love that girl. And what God has done in us and how he's met us is so powerful. Uh, Luke, you know, I, I just told you the story. You're like, did he make it? He made it. 
And not only did he make it, but this is him right now. He is like center stage of every picture. He's like, he's doing so well. It's unbelievable. Now he's number two. I don't know. I think that's I love you. Anyways, um, I told you about Sam's wreck. And, and we really, we weren't sure what, what God was going to do. And, um, and, and come to find out, um, this is, this is a, a place packed with all Sam's friend. He has a Friday morning Bible study. Um, we thought his body was, we were always so worried about that. He just, he just got, um, he just signed on to run track at University of Kentucky, which brings up another pain for me, trying to be a Kentucky fan. Anybody else? Yeah. Yeah, that's another pain we'll talk about another time. Um, My son Noah went on the run, and he did, man. He ran, and even when he went off to college, I just remember dropping him off, being like, Lord, what are you going to do with this, man? And Lord, just as clearly as he speaks to me, he said, I just want you to give him to me. So I remember 4.30 in the morning. I didn't share this before. 4.30 in the morning in Arizona, dropping him off to school. I'm praying to the Lord, and the Lord just said, I need you to get down on your knees. He's no longer yours. He's mine. Trust me with me. And I got down on my knees. This is true. And I wept and I gave him to the Lord. I thought I'd done that before, but I just did. I said, I trust you. And now, and it doesn't always happen this fast. I know this three months later, he radically ran into Jesus in a profound way. And now this is legit, a recent picture of him preaching, which he swore he would never do in his life. Um, Yeah. So why do I tell you that? Well, Matt, you're putting a lot of bows on things. No. I still battle with depression, and I've been praying for freedom for that for a while. Um, we still lost a child um, in mid-miscarriage, and that one hurt, still hurts. I can tell you this, though. I've yet to encounter pain that Jesus hasn't met me in and given me more than what, I, than what I've ever could have dreamed. I don't have a lot of answers, a lot of things I don't have. But I know what he's done. And I'm, I'm 100% honored to share what he's done in us, even the things that aren't tied up with the bow. So verse 32 says this. It says, that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. But he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. And all of a sudden, you've got this group of people, just this small group with, with just asking, like, do you care and would you? And all of a sudden, people find out, oh, time out. Jesus actually cares. Yeah. Yeah, he cares about you. He loves you. He didn't, he didn't just love you enough to take care of your boo-boos and like kind of mix them things right now. Like he literally came so that not only will he meet you in any pain that you ever have, but then he will actually also go to the very last week of his life and he'll endure rejection and shame and he'll have unjust trials and he'll get beat in the face and his body will be broken. His blood will be poured out. He will be pierced. He'll be raised. And even the father will turn his back on him. Why? Because he so loves you that even the pain that won't change now, he wanted to make sure that it would no longer be permanent because of Jesus Friends, even cancer, even death, even things we can't overcome in this life, this life is a vapor compared 
to what he has in store for those who love him. Why? Because he cares about you. Because he loves you. So, Matt, what do we do with our pain? Well, let me just give you a couple things and let me just lead you into a little bit of time where maybe you could do that yourself. What do we do? Well, first thing you do is just what they did in the text, just invite him in. Doesn't that sound weird? Like, of course you invite him in, but just time out. Do you, though? You know, one of the, one of the things that's, that's rolled in my mind, a friend of mine said this, that, that it's this funny thing about God. He only comes where he's invited. When was the last time in your house and in your home and in your marriage and in your finance, you just said before him, maybe you get on your knees, I don't know how, just do it the way, just do it in the way that makes sense to you. And you just said, Jesus, maybe I haven't done this in a while, but I just want to invite you in. Not like get me to church and help me change some outward things and I'll get a little less angry and I'll get a little bit of this. But God, I need your power. Like I need your presence. I need like whatever you want to give. I trust you. I will take whatever you give. I want to invite you in. Please come. Come, Lord Jesus. Maybe you invite him in, but the second thing they, they did was they made sure that he came because when he comes, all of a sudden things get exposed and you recognize that if I'm being real, I got some stuff that still needs change. If I'm real, I've got some deep pains and I've got some scars and I've got some wounds and I don't show that to everybody and I don't necessarily feel it all the time, but I know when push comes to shove, these are the things that sometimes keep me from being and doing what I feel like I was made to. Don't. Not just invite him in, but ask Jesus for help. It's what they did. They, I mean, he would have picked up on it if he had been around long enough, but no, they went to him and they said specifically to them, I don't know why he wants us to be specific. It's not like he doesn't know, but he said to the church, you don't have because you don't ask. So here's what I would say, ask. Some of you need physical healing right now and you're not, you don't feel like you're allowed to ask. Can I tell you as your friend and follower of Jesus, ask. He is not offended by your ask. Some of you have broken hearts because of loved ones and you don't know how to make it go away. And here's what I wanna say. So ask him. Some of you have marriages right here that are on the rock. Some of you are in singleness right now and you're trying to figure out what's my course and who are these people and should I be okay with this and what? Ask, ask him. And then lastly, whatever he does in your life, would you just be an enormous help to everybody and anybody? When he meets you, when you invite him in, and when you ask him and then he actually does what you never thought he could do, would you tell somebody about it? Because here's the reality. Maybe some of you, how many of you, he has met you in your pain? How many of you would say that? Yeah, he met me. He met me. I wouldn't be who I am, except he met me there. And I just want to encourage you, brother, there is a world that is not sure what to do with pain, and they don't need another sermon. And they need you. Would you share what he did and what he gave you and what's still left undone and why you still trust him. Share your pain. So we're gonna have a song. 
and, and it's one of my favorites. And some of you, I just, want, I just want to encourage you, during this song, I just want to encourage you, some of you are in a painful moment right now or you know somebody who is. And I just, before you even sing a word, I just want to invite you to just say, Jesus, we both know what my pain is. So here's the deal, I just want to invite you in. Just say it, just I want to invite you in. Next thing to say, and here's what I'm asking. God, would you heal my marriage? Would you heal my body? Would you take this anxiety away? Would you give me a friend because I feel lonely? Like, I, what is it that you need? Because here's the thing, I, I, I've noticed this with him. He actually loves to say yes. People don't talk about that enough. He loves to say yes to his kid. So give him to something to say yes to. But as we do this, maybe you're gonna sing that. Maybe this is gonna get sung over you. Maybe you're gonna sing this because he's already done this in you. But we're just gonna respond to him with the next song. Sound good? Let me pray for us. God, you're good and faithful and true. Father, thank you for the blessing of your son, Jesus, who shows us that not only do you care about us in our pain, but you have a desire to supernaturally with power and with presence and with peace and with patience and with everything we need, even when it's hard, you meet us in our pain. Thank you for that. Thank you for being the God who's real and not the God who's fake. We do though ask, would you Answer us today as we ask you, invite you in. Do the impossible today. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen.